Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone and as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think that you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for whatever what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourself, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, Revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals of fire upon his head. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. This is the story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. If it is possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. These are Paul's words to the church at Rome. In some ways they are a reiteration of some of the concepts that we hear about in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. And in some ways we have heard them echo throughout the Old Testament through the words of Moses and other prophets. These are the things on which our society depends in order to be transformed into the peaceable kingdom that God promises. God who is love. Christianity 101 is pretty simple. In fact, it can be summed up in one word. Love. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. One word. Love. But somehow we need all of the words of Moses in the Old Testament, all of the words of Jesus, all of the words of the Apostle Paul, and continued teaching and work today to continue to bring love in a world that so often is ruled by hate. 
We need to overcome evil with good. We need to bring the good. And so we are called here by the Apostle Paul, just as he called the Romans to love. Let love be genuine. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Associate with the lowly. You've heard Ben read these words. You heard me reiterate a few of them. And yet it does us good to hear them again and again and to study them over and over in order that we may bring the kingdom, the kingdom that God has promised, the kingdom that God has created us to inhabit, to perpetuate. That is our purpose in life, is to love, to help one another, to weep with one another, to be joyful with one another, to encourage one another, to love. Can you hear how pertinent these things are to the current day? Extend hospitality to the stranger. Care for the immigrant. You can hear how that resonates with what we need to do today to extend hospitality to those seeking freedom. To extend hospitality, a warm welcome. Live in harmony with one another. Black lives matter. We are called to continue to perpetuate, to create a place in which we live in harmony with all people. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rise above in what can be an acrimonious election season. Take the high road. Outdo one another in showing honor. But most of all, let love be genuine. Love one another with mutual affection. I love that idea of love and mutuality. When God loves us, as it says in Isaiah, God's word does not go out and, and, and return void. God's word resonates. I just imagine like this this canyon where if you say, God loves you, God loves you, it comes back to you. That's what love is like. There's a mutuality to it. There's this idea of give and take. And that makes me think about the fact that these actions are all actions of the beloved community of all of us together. So that when, when we breathe in and out, there's this rhythm like the tide, like like God's love for us going out and returning to God, like our love going out to one another and returning this mutuality. My stepmom Judy used to be one who received gifts with such grace. No matter what it was, 
she would receive it with such thanks that you would feel the love and the warmth that you were trying to express to her by giving her the gift in the first place. It didn't matter what it was. She could have walked up to her with a stick and she would have made you feel like it was the crown jewels. That mutuality, that give and take. And so I wonder, when you look at these things, can you think of times in your life where you have been the recipient of this kind of love and encouragement where somebody has wept with you? And how did you express your thanks? How was that a, a time that was of mutual love and affection? You know, I think that we're tempted to look at this list and think that it's maybe it's something that we need to take on all to ourselves, that we need to, to accomplish all of this ourselves. And that's a, a misunderstanding of the scripture, I think. I think it's better to understand this as this is the work of the beloved community together. Just like spiritual gifts, right? We don't expect that we are going to embody every single spiritual gift every moment. We understand that this is the work of the body of Christ. So that there are some that are expressing one gift while another is expressing another. And together we are whole. And in that too is that mutuality, that breathing organism that is the body of Christ doing the work of the world, transforming the world by this love that pulsates. Because if we were to try to embody all of this ourselves, I think we'd become bitter. I think we'd become judgmental. And we wouldn't be loving ourselves if we were judging ourselves. And neither would be loving the other if we were judging somebody else for the way, well, I don't know if they were really encouraging one another. I don't know if he really outdid her in zeal today. That kind of judgment is not the kind of judgment that's constructive. The kind of judgment that is constructive is an assessing kind of judgment. That, that thing that happens in us when we think, how did I do today? When we wake up in the morning and we think, I'm going to outdo one, uh, somebody else with honor, I am going to be full of zeal. And then at the end of the day, I think, well, you know, I could have been full of a little more zeal. <laughs> or, or I could have been more compassionate in that one instance. Not beating ourselves up by always just continuing to grow in the ways in which we embody these gifts as the body of Christ. Romans 12 focuses on the humanization of the gospel of the church. It affirms all of us as human beings. It affirms all of us in our roles, the ways that we take this on and the ways that we, we embody it and share it with the world. It equips people to appreciate diversity in all its forms. When it says here to associate with the lowly, I think it's not something that's hierarchical. I think that we're talking about associating with everyone, understanding ourselves to be equal with everyone, and allowing others to bring forth their gifts, and not having to always have center stage to ourselves. The Apostle Paul makes a clarion call around the essence of love, how love is at the very core of our being the very core of the body of Christ, of which we are a part, doing our bit to bring this transformation of the world so that all people understand the way in which they are loved, the way in which God has created them to love, 
That's our purpose in life, isn't it? To love. To be loved by God, the Creator, and to do that for which we were created. To love one another, to lift one another up. Our lives need to be guided first by hospitality and then by faith. Without hospitality, there is no love. Without welcoming somebody in and giving them all that they need, shelter, food, whatever it is they need, a, a respite from the storm, we are expressing love. We are expressing what God has made us to express. And thereby we develop in God, in our faith, and love drives out anything that is not like itself. So any acrimony, any dissatisfaction, when we begin to accept each other for who we are, and we love each other, understanding each other to be children of the divine, all is in harmony. We're not vying for a place any longer. We're understanding our place and allowing others to take their place. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 summons believers to live out the principles of heaven. And that's what we're talking about here. These principles of heaven, these ways in which we can express God's love on this plane, for this time, for these people, and have it as the basis and center of Christian living in the world. Paul encourages us in this book to cultivate love as a virtue for both our social and our holy life. There's nothing more holy than our expression of love for one another and for God. And it comes out in our social life too, in our work for justice in the world. We demonstrate true love for the other by giving them a step up, by entering into their story, by allowing them to tell their story, to live their story, by appreciating them for what they do and for what they bring. Genuine love, as Paul calls it, is not a one-time achievement. You haven't loved or done one of these little things and then never have to do it again. You have to continue to love and to be genuine and to outdo one another in honor and to be zeal and to express joyfulness throughout your life, always doing it a little bit better, always going a little higher, always expressing it to one more person. That's what transforms like the yeast in the dough. That's what transforms the world, like the ripples in the pond that reach out further and further to all of God's creation. It's a sought-after virtue that is enacted through daily practice and prayer. Just think, if you're learning the trombone, you don't pick it up one day and know how to play it perfectly. You have to practice each day. If you're a runner, running one day is not going to be the epitome that, that enables you to win the race forever. You have to strengthen those muscles. So. In the same way, loving one another is strengthening the muscles so that we become stronger, so that it becomes natural for us to continue to love one another. When we practice, we know how to do something. When we 
practice, we begin to be able to reach more and more people with the love that we share. We begin to understand what others' needs are. We become stronger in our own right to do that love in the world. In many circles, love is a lost art that needs to be relearned. And so we teach one another in the classroom of life. We teach one another what it means to love. It's something that is godly and social. The nature of love is vertical, loving God, and horizontal, loving each other. It reminds me of Desmond Tutu's theology of Ubuntu, which is I am because we are. It's understanding that mutuality in a civilization where we are connected to each other. Ubuntu in the Sosa culture means I am because we are, and there's a story of the Osani circle game, which goes as follows. The F.A. children of the Uturi forest in Zaire, the Republic of the Congo in Central Africa, began the Osani game by sitting in a circle, feet touching, all connected. I am because we are. We don't exist unto ourselves. We exist as the beloved of a loving creator connected to each other to do the work in the world. Whatever I do has an impact on the next person and whatever they do has an impact on me. That mutuality of affection is integral to who we are created to be. And so we cherish diversity, the differences of each of us, as the breeding ground of love, as the place where love is not only born, but where it flourishes in the world. We are transformed and renewed, and that transforming and renewing mind is the epicenter of genuine love. It's work. It has to be done on a regular basis, practiced, and done on a regular basis so that we can be love for the world. Love does not get lived out in perfect environments either. Love often exists and flourishes best in places where there is conflict, where there is a need. It's interesting because we, we find that there are ways that when there is a need, sometimes we want to back away. But that is exactly where love needs to be poured on, like salve to a wound, so that it can begin to heal, so that it can begin to transform a situation. It is given birth and meaning and essence in times when people are in conflict with each other. And these verses, these verses in Romans 12, encourage us to love in times of conflict, during disagreements, and during the persecution that is part of the Christian identity. Paul's experiences of being an apostle to the Gentiles opened him to a whole new world of love because he was loved and cared for and invited in by these people. He began to understand because these people were not Jews. We might also pay attention to what we learn about the essence of love from those who are considered to be outsiders. The church may then see the stranger and the outside world as laboratories in which to exercise love, in which to practice love. The revival of spiritual love and unity is urgently needed in today's global church. 
Paul goes on to encourage harmonious living as a way to cultivate godly love in all people. And the love that we are called to live out is not just an emotional love. It is the very essence of who we are the very giving of ourselves, the very hospitality with which we invite people in. Pastor Joel Gilmet, who served here years ago, once told the story of traveling to Nicaragua, and because he was the honored guest, they wanted to feed him chicken. But it was the prized chicken that had been living in the yard for a year, and no one else had eaten it, had partaken of it, but it was offered to him as the honored guest, as a sign of hospitality. Giving sacrificially of ourselves is the way in which we express love to others. Giving them the corner brownie or the last piece of bread. Giving them the place in which to speak from so that we might hear the needs of others. So that we might offer that sacrificing, that sacrificial hospitality and love. It is a practical love in that it is experienced both by the self and the other. It is lived out in ways that always cherish others. This love seeks justice, forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Let us pray together. Let us pray that we might work together with our pew mates, with our neighbors, with our friends, to be the church in this world, to express the love of God to those who might not ever have felt it, so that they might feel the warmth of the village, so that they might understand themselves to be welcome to be at home, to be integral, to be connected to us. O oh, heavenly God, who is love, endow us with the understanding with which to use the love that you have so generously bestowed upon us. Amen. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift.